All right, hello guys. Welcome to another episode of Lumia Sports. I'm your host, Demetrius Mason. Joined again by one Darnell Jones. What's up, guys? And joined again by Dom. Triple D's, what it do? Yep, yep, yep. And today, hey, last night we had a great night of basketball. Three games coming down to one point. So let's jump right into it. Hey, man, first foremost, the Nuggets beat the Cavs 133 and 95. Damn. Oh, for the Cavs. <laughs> For the Cavs, Drummond went out there for 16 minutes, was two of seven, minus 28, four turnovers, yikes. But no one really played well for them. Obviously, if you want to lose like that, Sexton was one for nine as well, minus 27 out there. And their highest score was Jared Allen with 18. Um, for the Nuggets, hey, man, everyone kind of just played okay. Jokic didn't even have a great game, 12 points, 12 assists, six rebounds for him. He was a plus 32 out there, just passing the ball to everyone, letting everyone do what they do. Millsap led all scores with 22. Darnell, what do you see from your team out of this one? Yeah, this is kind of like one of those nights where you just kind of got to just act like this never happened. It's one of those games. Yeah, they got blitzed early in the game. They lost the first quarter 34-17 and proceeded to lose every other quarter the rest of the way. So it's nothing really to say. I mean, the Cavs, at this moment, they really stink. There's no way around it. I don't know if they want to make the playoffs this year or not, but it's looking like a long shot more as this West Coast road trip continues. And they've got a hard schedule coming up, and it's going to be hard for them to get wins. And unless Kevin Love comes back, and I don't think Kevin Love can be the savior either, but this team, this team has a lot of work to do. And Denver proved why they're one of the elite teams in the West, and not and not only the West, but all the basketball, because they have the depth that can just show up any night and just provide them a good minute. So Denver proved why they're an elite team, and the Cavs proved why they were in the lottery. Yeah. Dom, what were your thoughts? You know, the the Cinderella story was cute for like the first few weeks, but I think this team is settling back into reality who they actually are, which is a bad team. And you know, they've definitely been over exceeding what most people expected from them. But I mean, I like the season's done, but I do think that, you know, they made some strong moves heading towards the future. We saw the promise from Sexton. We even saw the promise from Garland. And, you know, that move for, for Jared Allen was, was, you know, it was a move for the future. And, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit them in the, in the long run. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Drummond you know, at the trade deadline. But, yeah, these dudes got blitz worse than Mahomes in the Super Bowl, man. These dudes, <laughs> this, these dudes got smoked out here. Like, I'm looking at the – I'm looking at Denver. I'm looking at the point totals. And I'm like, where does this equal 133? But, well, hey, man. all together. Huh? If you add them all together. But, like, when you look at all the single point totals, you're like, huh, 133 seems kind of high when the highest person scored 22. And then the next was, like, 19. But, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Jokic had eight. I mean, Jokic had 12 and Murray had eight. And, like, what really shocked me is, like, you know, for Sexton to only have four when – Gary Harris wasn't even there, so they're they're the only dude that can really play good defense was was gone. So I was like, I thought at least Sexton will have a decent game, but nah. I guess his steam is you know running out for right now, but he has been you know playing really well, and I think you know he might be a fringe all star for this year. I don't know if he'll make it, but he should definitely be a candidate at least. But, yeah, I think the Cavs are done. Yeah, he's definitely not going to make it. 
And the Cavs are definitely done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Nuggets just shot 60%, so no one missed out there. And no one's going to miss. That's what's going to happen. All right, moving on. Where it go? Where it go? Where it go? Let's go here. The Grizzlies beat the Hornets 131-14. Grizzlies now 10-10. and I'm on the season. I have no idea how. Um, and they beat the Hornets despite Terry Rozier, 34 points. He had 34, but was a minus 16 out there, mainly because he played the most amount of minutes. Um, Bridges, a rare game. He also 15 points, 10 rebounds, supposed to be one of their better defenders, but he was a minus 23 out there. Um, Hayward, 7 for 11. It just seemed like the Grizzlies were just doing what they do, which, again, was not missing threes. And even though the Hornets shot 14 from 19 from deep, the Grizzlies just kept shooting threes. 23 of 49 from deep, put up a lot of threes. Slow-mo Kyle Anderson, who we actually said last time, can't shoot threes, and he really can't. Today came out crazy. Six of eight from three-point land with 27. Um, four of eight from Brooks from deep. Four of eight from Desmond Bain from deep. And, I mean, that's just what happened there. But plus 17 from Tillman off the bench as well. And John Morant, 15 points, 11 assists, highest plus minus, with a plus 23. Dom, what would you see out of this one? I saw what I said the last time. I saw a team that employs a bunch of people that do the exact same thing, shoot a bunch of threes, play a bunch of defense. And, you know, we both picked Charlotte to win this game. I mean, you know, the way that LaMelo's been playing recently – and you would think with LaMelo having a – he was 8 for 15, so he wasn't bad. And then Terry Rozier had 34. And even Bridges had 15 on 5 of 9 shooting. So, you know, you would think that that's a recipe for success. And we were watching this game, bro. I just want to highlight one – I just want to highlight one player out, bro. Kobe's player is awful. And they need the as soon as they can get rid of him, they need to. I know Bismack Biombo sucks, but Cody, but they both of their centers are garbage, bro. Like they they need to do something about that sooner than later. But hey, man, Memphis, you know Memphis just outplayed them. So, Darnell, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think Memphis, they came to play. Like, the depth that we were talking about with Denver, Memphis proved that they've got some depth as well. You saw a good play out of Dylan Brooks. Desmond Bain came to play, the rookie, 6 of 11 from the field with 18 points. And slow-mo, 27. Like, anytime John Morant doesn't have to be the best player on the team on any given night, the Memphis Grizzlies have a better chance to win. And like we've been saying about Jai, he's been struggling from the field, but he's getting teammates involved with his 11 assists on and five turnovers. So that's a positive. He was a plus 23. That's awesome. They got Tyus Jones back. He's been playing good this year. He pitched in with 12, even though he was a minus five. And I think for Charlotte, it just was an off shooting night. Even though they shot 54% from the field, Memphis made 23 threes compared to their 14. That's the biggest difference. And they happened to lose that third. That third quarter was the killer. Memphis scored 31. Charlotte's only scored 15. Every other quarter was close. And I think that's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Bro, Memphis might have the most depth I've ever seen in a team in the history of the league. <laughs> This is because they really have lost every single player and it hasn't mattered. (laughs) Here we go with Dom and they still league. You said what? Here we go with Dom and the history of the league takes. Go ahead, (laughs) Darnell. I know they still got Jaron Jackson out and they and they and they have Justice Winslow who's on their roster. I don't know if he'll play this year or what's his status, but he's out as well. That's a that's a very deep team that I a lot of people don't have their eyes on. I forgot Winslow existed actually. I know. It's a good point. This he's kind this of that team, kind of player. This team is really ten and ten. <laughs> when missing everybody. 
Yeah, they're fighting for it. Yeah. No, like I said, they've they've definitely been the team I've been the most impressed with with any out of any team so far this season. So moving on, the Nets beat the Pacers 104-94. Trust me, it was not as close as the final score indicates. As the Pacers only had 30 points at halftime against one of the worst defenses in NBA history. So good job, Pacers. Brogdon, 5 for 17, 15 points. Sabonis, 7 of 20. No one on the Pacers having a career night against the Nets today. Kyrie Irving just went crazy. 35 points, 8 assists, 7 for 17 from the free throw line. Just said he wasn't losing this game. And James Harden, 19 points, 11 rebounds. He got to the free throw line 10 times as well. And Joe Harris giving him production with 17 points. And DeAndre Jordan, 12 points, 13 rebounds. Jeff Green off the bench. Highest plus minus at a plus 23. Uh, Darnell, what did you see out of this one? I saw a Kyrie Irving that's playing at an elite level. I remember yesterday we were talking about the level that uh, Steph Curry was playing at. And is he back to his MVP season, his MVP form? And Kyrie's putting up better than his career averages. He's averaging 28 on a year, doing that 50, 40, 95% free throw percentage clip. And the Nets are still struggling. But on this night, Kyrie had, he had it going. He was able to get to the free throw line, able to make 17 of 17. James Harden got to the line. He was able to make his 10 of 10. And the, the poor Pacers, man, they got nothing out of Miles Turner. They got nothing out of Jeremy Lamb. Sabonis has to give you more than 18 on 20 shots. Brogdon has to give you more than 15 on 17 shots. If the, if the shot distribution is going to be that skewed to those two players, They've got to be effective, efficient out there and effective. Like, there were neither, and that was one of the biggest reasons they lost the game. Tom, what were your thoughts? Their two best players suck. That's my thoughts. Sabonis and Brogdon. Not or they, hey, man, like I said with the cast, it, it, was, it was cute at first. You know, it was, it was a nice little, oh, look at, look at Sabonis. He, he, he you know. He he get he gained an MVP consideration and all that shit, you know. He should be in the All-Star game again. Look at Brogdon. They you know 2K put both of them up to like an 86, 87, something like that. Nah, nah, nah. They 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 were really good at first, but nah, they came right back to reality. And Sabonis kept doing what he does, man. Kept doing the dumbass jump hook, <laughs> dumbass jump hooks over people, missing them shits. I was like, bro. I don't know what you expected. Huh? I don't know what you expected. I don't I don't know either, but (laughs) I just expected somebody to be able to do something against the worst defense in NBA history. But you know what? I forgot these niggas are these niggas stop themselves. The defense don't stop them. (laughs) They stop themselves. And now, at first, they were cruising a little along without, um, you know, TJ or Oladipo or Levert. But now we just see that now at this point, yeah, they need Levert. Well, they said Levert's supposed to be coming back soon. And then I don't know when Warren's coming back, but we'll see if if, if Levert can give this team the, the boost that it needs because at this point right now, team is absolutely positively garbage. The best players on the team really are McDermott, McConnell, and and it it, it might even be Batatse third. But yeah, McDermott and McConnell are the best people on this team, low key. So hey man, give the Nets some credit. They just didn't want to lose back to back to the Pistons and the Pacers. So they woke up today, locked in on defense for a half, and then said, you know what? We did our job. We beat these bums. And they went home. <laughs> um, moving on to beating bums. The Clippers beat the Timberwolves 119-112. Uh, 
um, Kawhi Leonard just decided that this game he was not going to lose her podcast. And he said, you know what? Damn it, I'm not losing to the Timberwolves. Even if Carl Anthony Towns is going to come back and give him 18 and 10, just not a game he, he wanted to lose out there. 36 points, eight rebounds, five assists, plus 25 out there. Fought against Luke Kennard going out there, 12 minutes over one, minus 16. Even though I really think it was all Zubox's fault, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Lou Williams was crazy as well. 27 points, 10 to 15 from the field. He was great. And, hey, man, their most important player, Pat Bev, was back out there trying on defense, giving him some plus eight out there, hacking people, but he did what he had to do. Again, for the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns back. Gave him 18. Reed off the bench gave him 23. He's going to be really, probably really good in that bench role. But Malik Beasley and Okage just shot the ball a little too much. 515 for Beasley, 414 for Okage. <laughs> and he was a minus 14 out there. Uh, Tom, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, You know, it was a team that, you know, they were missing their, let's say, third best scorer with Towns out there against, you know, a team that regained one of their 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 best defensive piece. So, I mean, you know, Minnesota started off strong at first. They were up 10 for, like, most of the uh, first half. But really what happened was, like, because we were watching this one, really what happened was, like, the free, the free throw distribution, like, just switched from the first half to the second half. So the first half, the Timberwolves were getting, like, hella free throws. They really stayed at the line. They were always in the bonus. And then the second half, at least in the third quarter, the Clippers really did stay in the bonus as well. So, like, it was just a lot of free throws throughout this game between both teams. At the end of the day, Kawhi just proved, you know, he was the best offensive player out there. And then he got, hey, man, Lou Will's been good, but he hasn't been 27 good. I think that's his, I think that's his season high so far. He went 10 of 15 two of three from three, five of five from the free throw line. Really, Lou Will went crazy, and Pat Bev played defense. So that's 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 what it came down to. Yep. And, and yeah, I think, I, yeah, I agree with you. Even though even though it says Luke Kennard was the worst player out there, it was definitely Subach because he, he really was fucking everything up. Everything. Uh, Darnell, what were your thoughts? You got, you got a good Kawhi game. This is what we want to see from Kawhi. Kawhi is going to be in that conversation for best player in the league against a team like Minnesota, whose best wing players aren't in your in your league at all. You have to prove it. And they did. Kawhi kind of basically took Malik Beasley out of the game in the first half. He had zero points. You know, he finished with 21. All of that came in the second half. And the Clippers got their defensive stud back in Patrick Beverly. He's kind of the head of the snake. He kind of slows down the kind of slows off the rhythm of the opposing team's point guard. And with D'Angelo Russell not being out there, Ricky Rubio, the backup point guard, having to be thrust into the starting lineup. He only had five points, but he did have ten assists. Not too bad, but great Ricky starting, Rubio game, actually. You said what? It's a great Ricky Rubio game, actually. It's probably his best game of the year, like always. <laughs> but, yeah, Lou Will was awesome off the bench. He scoring his 27, 10 to 15 from the field in his 29 minutes. Basically, the difference of the game was the Clippers had that bench help and – the Timberwolves only had Nas Reed and McDaniels who pitched in. So Bro. Minnesota's defense, their bench wasn't terrible, but the normal production from Beasley and Edwards wasn't there. And with no D'Angelo Russell, it was going to be tough. Bro, I saw Rubio have – he was he had five points in the first quarter. He was two for three. I was like, when he oh, had, my, huh. yeah, when he had his five points, I thought he was going. I'm like, okay, he's going out for 15 this game. Nope. nope. That man just completely stopped even shooting. He took one more shot the rest of the game. Maxed out his potential. I see. Well, his potential six. He averaged just six. So 
He could he could he could slid in one more point. <laughs> he tried. He shot it one more time. Like you know what? That's it for me today. <laughs> oh god. Oh man. Damn, Ricky. Moving on to another game. The Raptors beat the Wizards 137-115. They just came out early, smoked them. Game got close late, and then they smoked them again in the fourth quarter. Um, winning the first quarter 40-28 in the fourth quarter 34-22. to Siakam went out there, 26 points, 9 of 18 shooting, plus 27 for him. Powell, 10 of 18, 28 points for him. Kyle Lowry, 21 as well. And I mean, you know, Boucher, 17. You know the deal against the Wizards. Anyone who wants to score can. Um, and for Washington, hey, man, Russ, 23.7 assists, five turnovers. So what we expect, 9 of 20 shooting. Bradley Bill, you got to be better, man. Eight for 20, 24 points, minus 20. That's just not getting the job done. Uh, Darnell, what'd you see out of this one? Well, the Wizards, the Wizards just aren't good. There's no other way around it. Russell Westbrook is playing at a. This is the probably the biggest like, drop off. The biggest he's drop washed. off. Yeah, he's washed <laughs> at this moment. There's no other way around it. Westbrook's washed. Bradley Beal had an offshoot night. So he was one for six from three. He could only score 24. They need him to score closer to his average of 35 for them to win games. And if he's not going to score what how he normally scores, they're going to have a tough night. And for Toronto, it proved another team, again, proves why depth, depth matters. They got 28 from Norman Powell, 26 from Siakam, 21 from Lowry. Boucher came off the bench. He six 17 points, 16 rebounds. You like to see that. And you got a contribution from Ben Brian Davis. Like Toronto needs everybody to play at their normal level and they can win a lot of games. When they have players, when they have the elite players struggling, then it starts to get a little out of sorts for them because they don't have like a, a go-to score necessarily. They have to do it by committee. So I think when they're on their A game, they can beat a lot of teams and Washington found them on the wrong night. I did Ish Smith get hurt? He played four minutes. That's their best player. He can't play only four minutes. He had to be injured. And if he's hurt, yeah, he yeah, he got hit in the mouth and started bleeding, remember? Oh yeah, that's right. I don't know. I left him out for the game. You know what? Dom, what were your thoughts? Yeah, remember I sat right the fuck down too. But I got hit in the mouth with the ball. That shit hurts. But um, but um, you know, similar to how I was saying, you know, with sex, with the with the with the um Cavaliers and the Pacers, you know how they were kind of playing above their means. At least their star players were. Siak Siakam seems to be coming back into you know where he was before the bubble last year when he made you know because. Let's not forget, before the bubble, the dude was an all-star starter, averaging like 24 points on like on like 50 or so percent shooting, like 38% from three. Like he was really playing really well last year. And his three-point percentage was awful. It's 29% right now, but it is climbing up. As you see, he hit three or four from three, and he shot nine for 18 from the field last night. So, you know, Pascal Siakam's coming back into rhythm, and it'll be interesting to see if, you know, in the playoffs he'll be able to maintain his rhythm or not. But let me see their record now. Toronto's, like, climbed back into the playoffs. 12 and 13. Yeah, they're right – they're tied right there with the Pacers for the for the fifth seed. So, you know, oh they came right – huh? Not the Pacers, the fifth seed. 12 and 13. <laughs> will you, hey man, will you start off how they did? This is this is you know, this is something to look forward to, because because we know the Pacers suck, so they so they're the real fifth seed because the Pacers gonna lose the next game, but the but the, the the Raptors might not. But you know, aside from Siakam, 
Powell obviously had a good game too. Van Vliet had a good game. No, he only had 14, but still he was a plus 27. So, you know, he's probably playing really good defense. You know, Larry came out there for 21. And even though I don't think he's still the leading six-man of the year candidate because he has had a lot of bad games. And you look at Utah, and if they're just going if they're just gonna have the number one seed, like fuck Gobert and defensive player of the year. If they get the number one seed, Clarkson got one six man of the year. And I don't think I don't think you can deny that from him. But um, you know, Boucher has definitely put himself back up in consideration. Him, maybe Terrence, and you know, obviously Clarkson for that six man of the year award. So you know. Fuck no, not Terrence. Maybe Terrence. Who else? Hell no. Not him. Then give me somebody else. Let me think. Uh, Not him. Damn. <laughs> unless they, unless, unless, you know, they don't like giving these awards to rookies, but they could give it to Tyrese. Because <laughs> he is the sixth man. Or, or Halliburton, even LaMelo. Halliburton has been, LaMelo starts now. But Halliburton has been the best sixth man of the year. Single-handedly carrying the team. <laughs> no, I think it's Clarkson. I think it's Clarkson. No, nah, Clarkson, Clarkson going. If they get the best record in the league, it got to be Clarkson. Got to be Clarkson. Because they're only going to get two All-Stars. It's not like Mike Conley's going to really make the All-Star team. So they got to get some kind yeah. of recognition. Yeah. I don't even know if Gobert's going to make it, honestly. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Gobert. So we'll see. Yeah. Hey, man. This, here we go. Start ratcheting up now. Moving on. <laughs> the Bulls, exactly where we're going. The Bulls beat the Pelicans 129-116. Hey, man, for the Pelicans, Zion, 12-18, 29 points. Tried. Ingram, 6 of 19. Yikes. 21 points for him, but he's going to have games like this. Uh, Alonzo Ball is out there, man, 6 of 13. You get 21 points for him. Uh, I mean, the bench, you know, kind of – it actually wasn't terrible today. J.J. went out there plus one, but they just couldn't combat if the Bulls are going to shoot a record number of threes, franchise record 25 out there. And Zach Levine is going to be unbelievable through the missed layup fiasco. 46 points, plus 20 out there. He was crazy. Seven of tw- 17 of 25 from the field, 9 of 14 from three. Kobe White right there, two, eight threes hit for him. He was eight for 17. He had 30 points. Denzel Valentine, four of eight from three with 16. And their bench, Garrett Temple, second in all players. Again, he's their only defender, 10 points. Seven assists. Garrett Temple, man, really low key is, is the key. Um, but a big win for the Bulls as they bounce back. Get this one, holding the Pelicans to 14 in the third quarter. Amen. Hey, Dom, what'd you see out of this one? So it's like I said before <clears throat> when it comes to Levine and Kobe, they're actually three point shooters. They're really not they're really not like finishers like that. Like I know Levine got all them, you know, all them dunks. I know he's been a you know, a dunk contest champion like twice. And I know he's supposed to be but he but like if you watch him, if you watch him throughout the years, he really is a three point shooter. And he's and like of course as a shooter, you know, sometimes he's gonna have his bad games, but he is <clears throat> He's liable to explode from three at any at any point. Like I mentioned, that game last year against Charlotte, where he had like I think he tied the record or had like twelve. He had like twelve threes in the game, and they hit the game one three. Like it was like a turnaround three. It was really stupid, but it went in. But you know, at, at their at his core, he's more of a three point shooter than a finisher. And the same thing with Kobe White. Kobe White is really more of a shoot of a of a shooter as he took seventeen threes of his twenty shots. So like, really, when their threes are falling, especially when they're playing a team that, as we know, can't shoot. <laughs> and I mean, you know, a franchise record twenty five threes. There was no way that 
the um at at Alonzo Alonzo's best is probably like six or maybe seven threes in the game. And then after him, you know, Ingram tried Ingram tried to fight with him, but two for nine ain't gonna work. We know Zion not gonna shoot him shits a lot. I think the four I think the four threes he took his first game was probably the most he took in any game. We know Bledsoe can't shoot. Um, you know, JJ went two for three, Carl Lewis went two for three. Hart tried, but he only went two for five. And even Alexander Walker, he was only out there for 10 minutes, only took one three. But, you know, the the Bulls played like what the Bulls just, you know, Levine and, and Kobe maximized out at what they're best at, which is shooting threes. So that's that's how I took it. Yep. Darnell, what were your thoughts? Yeah, for me, it, it came down to – the first time two two teammates have ever made eight three pointers in a game. Yeah, Got Zach Levine with nine, Kobe with eight, forty six and thirty respectively. I think the biggest difference, obviously, was the three point shot. New Orleans doesn't have they have JJ, but their team is not built to create threes like that. Like they're more of a half court. We're gonna score in the paint. We're going to bully you a Zion type team. We're going to shoot a high percentage from the field. They shot 50% from the field, like, but it just wasn't enough because Chicago shot 60%. They scored 116 points. Like, you expect when you score that many points that you have a chance to win. But when a team gets hot like that, it's not much you can really do to stop them. Uh, Washington right there scored 115, got 137 put on them. So, yep. <laughs> Same thing with Washington. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much for the Pelicans, it wasn't like they played badly. The Bulls really just had one of those games we've seen them have where they can just catch fire at any moment. And they were just on all game. It's just crazy that both of them caught fire like that. Like, I've seen Levine do it. But, like, I knew Kobe could because Kobe really shows strides at the end of last season. But the fact that they were able to do it together really is insane. It shows you how bad the defense is for the Pelicans. Where the fuck is Eric Bledsoe? What's he doing? Killing me, man. Hey, 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 man. Like I said, Eric Bledsoe is supposed to be great at defense, but I never see him playing defense. <laughs> like, I really don't. He was, all de- just he was all throw him away. <laughs> He was all defensive first team. And then as soon as he saw Drogic in the playoffs, he had no answer for that guy. Drogic was killing him in the playoffs. The thing, the thing about Bledsoe is he has to build to be a good defender because he's strong. He has long yeah. arms, but that's it. Like, he's not really – he's not the defender that he's made out to be. It's he's not, not even close. Like, like you can just tell that, like Giannis, you know, he he probably just stopped them enough for Giannis to be able to just, to go over there. Mm-hmm. But like Bledsoe, but like the thing with uh, Bledsoe versus Holiday, Holiday's just a little taller, so it'll be easier for him to like you know shut down people's shots a little better. Even though like if they're taller than Holiday, it's gonna be the same issue. But there's less people taller than Holiday than there are than Blesso because Blesso's only like six three, six two. He's not He's that really... tall. He's like six one. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just gonna yeah. be a little harder for him to stop a six five Zach Levine from shooting right over his head. Even though yeah, I... he would think Kobe, but whatever. I think Drew might be six four. So, yeah, putting. He's a bigger point guard, so he can like def- defensively he can like bully point guard smaller point guards. Yeah, pick him up full court and kind of disrupt him a little bit. Eric Bledsoe can't do that at this stage of his career. Yeah. Damn, Eric. Hey man, if you're gonna be all defensive first team, <laughs> you gotta defend somebody. Defends nobody. All right, moving on to a team that just keeps doing this in this weird fashion. The Lakers beat the Thunder 114-113, and you guessed it, right in overtime. The Thunder were up by 20 
I was like, man, if they're up by 20 and Dom was right there, like, don't, it doesn't even matter. But I thought, damn, they could do it one time if they're going to be up 20 both times, but nope. Um, for the Thunder, Al Horford, 25 points, 11 of 18 shooting, tried the best he could. Uh, Williams was out there. Hey, man, 24 points, but again, no Shea Gillis Alexander, no George Hill, no Maladon. So they're missing all of their point guards, basically. And in the second half, Lakers decided, you know what? They really feel like losing this game. So they hold him to 38 points, crawl to overtime, and then win the game in OT. LeBron hit the three to send overtime, and then overtime does what he does. Um, total, though, he didn't have a great shooting performance. Nine of 20 from the field. It's about as bad as you're going to see LeBron really shoot. Um, 25 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Damn, 45% is the worst he's going to shoot. Pretty much. <laughs> much worse than that? <laughs> Hey man, he, was, he missed one. He was one shot. He was one shot away from shooting fifty percent from the field. And that's oh, the man. worst. And that's the worst he called play. <laughs> I mean, is it incorrect? Is anything I said wrong? This is how great he is. I'm just telling you, this is about as bad as he's going to play. It was, yeah, it was definitely all the missed threes out there. He he doesn't normally take nine of them. <laughs> shooting, shooting, man. Montrez Harrell, 8 for 10. But, I mean, for the Lakers, no one really played great. It's just they just didn't feel like losing. They played well defensively. Uh, Darnell, what were your thoughts on this one? I think the Lakers got just enough. And I think the game – it was a one-point game, so it could have went either way. But Oklahoma City only having eight players out there, eight active players, I think it really hurt them in the overtime period. You push the overtime. It was eight. It was eight to nine. It was not like they got blown out in overtime or anything. But Al Horford was really good out there. Like like I said, the last game they played, they've been really playing through Al Horford. He's that veteran, that steady presence out there for him. And he pitched in his twenty five. They got twenty four from Williams, who started in the place of. I don't know if he normally. He probably was a starter in the place of Shea. But because I know Diallo, Baisley, and Dort are usually out there. And Lou Dort pitched in 17 on 17 shots. Not awful, not great either. And I think it came down to one possession. The Lakers, they got the steal at the end in overtime from LeBron, trying to inbound the ball to get a shot to tie it or take the lead, or to take the lead, actually. And that was the end of the game. Yep. Dom, what were your thoughts? It was a pretty dormant, I think, you know, it was a dormant performance from the best player in NBA history, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He only shot two for six. And, you know, I guess he's just waiting for the playoffs to turn back. Or maybe he's waiting for the big games because he always shows up for the big games. But, you know, he was pretty calm last night, only played 20 minutes. Caruso wasn't there. You know, he, he probably the second most important player on the team. So, you know, him not being there. You know, definitely hurts them a lot. And, I mean, AD wasn't there, but, you know, he, he cool. So, you know. But LeBron was just out there, you know. He was just seeing who was going to do something. Schroeder did something. Harold did something. Wesley tried. He didn't do much, but he was trying to do something. So, at the end, LeBron was just like, you know what? All right. If, if nobody else going to do anything, let me take these 10 threes and do it. And you know what? He did it, so <laughs> like, I mean, if, if the Thunder already not gonna have anybody on their team like that, like that, and then be hurt on top of it, then I mean, um, you know, they had a night. They they did have a they did have a great run at first. It was like forty three to twenty at one point, but like like he said, I was just watching. I was like, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that'll, that'll make the game more interesting for sure. But there was no doubt in my mind that the Lakers were going to lose this game. So. The Lakers is weirdly not good as they've looked. 20 and 6. I believe they have the best second best record in the league to the Jazz. Um, yeah, they might they might be third to the 76ers. This is like I'll take the oh, oh, 76ers yeah. are 18 and 7. Okay, yeah. 
So the 76ers are the third. Me, man. That's why I do my job here. Anyways, my bad. Second. My bad. Second in the league as far as wins are concerned. They just, I mean, I just, hey, man, he just, he just knows exactly when to turn on just to get a one-point win every time. It's these bad teams. It's like, you know what? I don't really feel like losing this one. In the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the third, third straight overtime game for the Lakers, and the Lakers have been struggling lately, but they've been getting wins and, and the struggles. It's kind of yeah. weird. It's very strange. Hey, man, one thing we know about LeBron is that at this point in his career, LeBron has definitely been one of the clutchest players, you know, in, in, in recent history. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he, just, he just doesn't allow himself to lose games that often at this point. Mm-hmm. I am he. He is I. Oh, my God. Anyway, moving on. The Mavs beat the Hawks 118-117. It's a frustrating game for me. I would have been up three games if these dudes didn't choke the lead. But heading into the fourth quarter, I just had a feeling. The Hawks just had to score too many points. And they're just going to lose the game. And it took one three, one freaking three from that man, Tim Hardaway. And all of a sudden, I was like, here we go. I could just feel it coming. Hardaway, three points the rest of the game, 13 in the fourth quarter, end up with a plus 10. Willie Colley-Stein was, for some reason, their most important player. Went out there with 14 points, six rebounds, was a plus 19. Luka does what he does, 28 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists for him. Kleber was a minus 24, but Brunson, late down the stretch, had a point where he had nine straight for the team in that fourth quarter as well, just shooting it right over Trey every time. 21 points, five assists for him for the Hawks, um, John Collins, their best player, 13 for 18, 33 points, eight rebounds, plus 11. I don't know. I will get into that a little bit later. Trey Young, eight for 22, 15 assists, 25 points, seven rebounds. But again, eight for 22. He had a stretch for, I believe, I want to say 20 minutes from the third and fourth quarter where he didn't have a field goal. He did hit one late, though. Kind of get him right back in the game. Alan Nari, he went out there two of 12, but he got free throw line six times. Um, and they needed his production. He got 11, probably not enough. And Solomon Hill, minus 11, he sucks. Um, <laughs> Porter tried 23 points, eight rebounds. He was good down the stretch as well. Amen. Uh, Dom, what were your thoughts on this one? So <clears throat> this is one of the games that we, yeah, like you said, that we picked apart. And I was watching this, and I was scared because of because of Kevin Huerta at the end. Kevin Huerta really just wasn't missing anything towards the end of the game. He was hitting all the deep threes. He was hitting, he was really hitting everything, even in the lineups where nobody was out there around him. He was still able to you know contribute some points. So. Like, he was putting the ball on the ground and, like, really scoring that way. Like, I thought he was only a shooter, but, hey, man, he got, he got, some, he got some little dribble moves to him. Really? <laughs> it says he a plus one. I don't know how, but Capella was really awful. <laughs> Capella was real bad, and Willie Cauley-Stein was out there doing whatever he wanted whenever Capella was out there, even when Collins was out there, too. But Capella was fucking everything up. You see, he had four turnovers, five fouls. He didn't contribute anything out there. It, 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 was, it was a really bad game from him. And he's been having, you know, I think he's had a couple bad games recently. So maybe he'll get out of that funk soon. But now nah, John Collins was going crazy all night, which he does every night. And, you know, Trey Young was – he was doing it a little bit. He didn't fully commit to being himself. But at the end of the game, he tried to be himself too hard. And it came – and after – um, I forget who hit the last shot for, for, for Dallas. But after that, um, I think – yeah, Brunson missed a – Brunson missed a shot, and Dallas was still up one. So then Atlanta calls a timeout. And then, you know, the play starts developing. And for whatever reason, Trey Young runs into somebody – Falls set a screen for John Collins and Willie Collins Stein ran him over. Oh, now 
he didn't even run him over. <laughs> he want he want he just wanted the foul. He flopped. Yeah, <clears> but the refs, but the refs, huh? He definitely flopped. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was like a clear flop. And I saw after the game, <laughs> I saw after the game, he called the ref a bitch ass nigga for not calling it. <laughs> he yeah. was really mad as shit. Like. You you know how you know how refs you know how dudes be like sitting there when the play's still going on and they be complaining to the ref like while the play is going on in the middle of it like that's what Trey was doing and then Gallinari had the ball like for, and then Gallinari had the ball and he 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 was shooting two for eleven at that point so then boom he took a mid range shot he took a contestant mid range shot over somebody and that shit hit the side of the the side of the room and that was the end of the game right there. Maybe if Trey had it and didn't fall on the ground, you know, maybe their best, their their supposed best player had it, you know, something could have happened. But, amen. Uh, I, I was definitely impressed from what I saw from um, Willie Colley Stein and Porzingis was struggling for most of the game, but. You know, he hit the one three like close to the end of the game. Like he was he was one for five from three, but that one three mattered so much. So, you know, Hardaway obviously came alive at the end, like you said. And Brunson too. They both really came alive crazy at the end. Cause as we know, even though Dallas can't play defense, neither can Atlanta. So Yeah, pretty much. Darn out what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think in the fourth quarter, Jalen Brunson and Tim Cardaway carried the way. They led 11, 11 points for Brunson on five of nine shooting, five of six from the field for Tim Hardaway. He was three for three from three with 13 points, a plus 10, plus 11 for Brunson in the quarter. And for Atlanta, Trey Young, he's played the entire fourth quarter. They only played seven guys the entire fourth. He played, he shot one of four. He was a minus 10 once with six points. You expect him to be a little better than that closing the game because here's the, he's their designated closer. My issue with Trey Young is that he's always inefficient. And he takes, like, superstar shots. Like, he wants to be Steph Curry a lot. You can tell, but Steph Curry's like a 50, 40, 90 guy. And he's like shooting 40% from the field. Barely, he's like 80% from the free. He, he's probably a good free throw shooter. I give him that, but he's only shooting 30. Let me look at the exact numbers. He's shooting 37% from the free. Shooting 37 from three. 80, 42 from the field. 89 from the free throw line, which isn't bad, <clears> but <throat> the 42% from the from the field has got to be better. John Collins played amazing, though, 33 points, eight rebounds. He was the recipient of a lot of those assists from Trey Young. And it came down to a one-possession game. And in the fourth quarter, the bench for Dallas took them home. They didn't need that. They didn't need Luka to do much in the fourth. They let him sit for, for the first four minutes or so. And they carried him to a win. You know what's funny about Trey Young? <clears throat> I feel like He's kind of a mix of two people. And when he's one of them, then you feel me? He's he's he maximizes himself way more than when he try when he tries to be one of them. He maximizes maximizes himself way more than when he tries to be the other. He's kind of like a blind of Steph and Harden. But when he plays more like Harden, he's actually way more effective than when he tries to play like Steph. Because because, like, what Trey's really best at is just throwing himself, ragdolling himself to the free throw line. And that's what I was scared was going to happen because he started doing it towards the end. But he just stopped for whatever reason. He did it on, like, a three-point. I guess he did it on – okay, yeah, he had – he had he did it once. He had a four-point play, and then he did, like, a three at the end, like, towards the uh, end of the uh, – somewhere in the fourth quarter, so – you know, but when he plays more hard than he and you know goes to the free throw line more, he's way more effective than when he tries to be Steph and take a billion threes. I just have a yeah. No, I'm just saying like his free. He took 11 threes and he got to the free throw line six times. You like to see that probably 
flip flopped a little bit. Yeah. What'd you say, Demetrius? I have an issue with Lloyd Pierce. Like, not. You can never have a lineup out there where I don't. I don't know why they need to have Trey and Collins on the court at the same time as because if you just let Collins be out there by himself with Forter, they would be just fucking fine. Like they really would be. They'd be fine, and Collins would still be efficient, and still scoring. Because anytime there, there never needs to be a line. This is like what we were talking about earlier uh, in the season with the Pelicans and Ingram and Williamson, Zion. There never, there should never be a time where Collins and Young aren't out there. At least one of them, because it's like the whole. Well, well, look at look at Dallas though. They definitely did that without Luca and Porzingis out there at some points too. Yeah, but they got there were line. There were plenty. There were there were plenty of times where Luca and Porzingis were on the bench at the same time. They have Hardaway and Brunson. They're a lot better than anyone else for the Hawks. A lot mm-hmm. better. Maybe if Ron, maybe if Rondo was there, it could have it could have helps. Yeah, they clearly miss Rondo and Bogdanovich, but they're not there. So you see that they're not there. So if they're not going to be there, then guess what? <laughs> uh, adjust to what you have. Oh, he's hurrying up too much. I already see where this is going. I'm not really going anywhere. I'm just saying Solomon Hill should never be out there without parental guidance. That's all. That's all I want. Ain't he the oldest one on the team? Huh? Ain't he the oldest one on the team? You can't be out there without offensive parental guidance. (laughs) They went out there early. It was a disaster. Went out there late. Still a disaster. No, Solomon Hill doesn't play defense. Solomon Solomon Hill was definitely saving the entire game. So, so I thank him. We knew he sucked. Though. No, but damn it! Don't play him without another offensive score out there. He was only out there for ten minutes. Too much time. And John Collins was off the court for ten minutes. I I'm telling you, they were the same ten minutes. You damn. can even tell Solomon was a minus eleven. Collins was a plus eleven. Simple math. <laughs> ten minutes on court, ten minutes off. That's not what we needed to do, coach. That's not what we needed to do. Yes, it is. Nope, the fuck it's yes, not. The fuck it is. Anyway. anyway, moving on. Just there's just I just don't know what to say, man. Uh the Suns beat the Bucks 125-124. Giannis 47 points, Yon. 11 rebounds. 17. It's not a yawn. Why are you yawning? That's just rude. 17 from 21 <laughs> from the free throw line, but he misses the game winner. Took a jumper for some reason. Didn't go in. Chris Middleton, 7 of 17. Um, 18 points. Brent Forbes, we saw him early. He had 5 of 8 from deep. And it looks like they're just going to shoot them out of the building. But in the second half, the Suns just decided, nope, you can't have threes. They said, Giannis, you can do whatever you want. Which I predicted before going to bed. I was like, yeah, they're just going to let Giannis do whatever. And then the game should be over. But as we've seen, when Giannis scores a man, it's a two and not a three. And that kind of changed everything. Um, for the Suns, they continue to not start Cam Johnson like they should. Don't know why they didn't start uh, Crowder against, I don't freaking know, the one dude who he made his reputation against. But whatever. Um, they went out there, Kaminsky 14, everyone's starting lineup, double figure scoring. Eaton really, I mean, couldn't really guard Giannis, but he did a good job. 17 points, seven rebounds. Um, Chris Paul, 28.7 assists for him, and Booker, 30 points, all efficient as well. 10 for 20 for Paul, 11 for 21 for Booker. Um, and the bench, hey man, good job on the plus minus, except for Galloway, who went out there for six minutes, was a minus 10. Um, Etoile Moore, plus 10. Ah, man, oh, man. Um, and Crowder had 14 rebounds off the bench. Darnell, what would you see out of this one? Phoenix, it was interesting that they finally decided that Crowder decide, that Crowder deserved more minutes than Cam Johnson. Even though Cam Johnson's a better shooter, he goes 3 of 7 for 3. That's 43%, which is – that's good around the entire league. But they probably should have – started Crowder over Kaminsky but maybe commence maybe it's just I don't know I don't know maybe it's just as high as the they went out there man I'm trying to I'm trying to give him a break and not and I like roast him because they won the game so I can't really say that it was awful coaching or anything but <laughs> Devin Booker was Devin Booker Chris Paul did Chris Paul things nothing really jumps off right there but 
looking at Milwaukee, Milwaukee's been tinkering with their starting lineup, and they've decided to go with Brent Forbes in the starting lineup, probably because they have no uh, Drew Holiday right now. I don't know what his status is, but Brent Forbes was solid with 17 points, and he gave them no assists, which is the biggest kicker. Chris Middleton pitched in his 11 assists. Giannis had five, but without a true point guard out there, they don't really – it really throws everyone's roll off. And anytime Giannis has 47, you can't ruin that game and lose. Like, it's, it's just that simple. But if there is a strategy to plan the Bucks, it's been to let Giannis get his and take away everyone else. And it seems that strategy worked. Yep, absolutely. Dom, what were your thoughts? Yeah, something I said before. Like, here's the difference between, like, when when Milwaukee was doing it and when Chicago was doing it. When Chicago was doing it, it was sustainable because their best player is a three-point shooter. So if their best player is going to be a three-point shooter, then they're going to feed off of that. But Giannis is a a driver. So, like, when Giannis wants to start scoring and stuff like that, then, you know, he's – He's only going to, like, go to the basket, get to, get to the free throw line, stuff like that. And impressively for him, you know, he's been terrible. But he really did go out there and make almost every free throw. He was 17 for 21. So that's pretty impressive for him. But, um, yeah, when Forbes and Middleton were doing it early, it was like, can they sustain it? I And I didn't think they were going to be able to sustain it. Like, Dante hit his two, Brooke hit his two. But Forbes really didn't miss a three in, like, the first half. And, and Middleton really didn't miss a bunch of shots either in the first half either. But, you know, I mean, it just came down to what we knew. When when the offense flows through everybody else, then they just – they're better because everybody else can – everybody else is at least capable of shooting threes as opposed to Giannis. So it's, be, it's kind of better when Giannis is like a decoy and everybody else is like, you know, getting within the rhythm of the shot. And – for Phoenix, I mean, you know what? The most important thing for them is just Cam coming off the bench. It's more important than, you know, who's which one of them is starting. I guess they say, you know what, Kaminsky, they've been winning a few games with him in the starting lineup, so why not just stick with it? And what I see from Kaminsky is, you know, he had 14 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, so he's definitely – he led the team in assists, so he's definitely a better passer than Crowder, which, you know – can be beneficial out there. I don't know how good of a defender he is. I'll, I'll watch more into that. But, you know, yeah, I mean, Jan scored 47. So even though Aiden was out there right with him, but couldn't have been too great. But I'm, I'm assuming for the last for the last shot, they probably had Crowder out there and probably built the, built the great wall. So, you know, that's probably why he took that mid-range shot. But, um, yeah, Booker Booker's definitely been coming alive. As of late, you know, at first he was just kind of vibing, kind of chilling. But as he's seen this, as he's seen the seating in the season, which is what I said, which is what I said, like, you know, I don't think I think he was just chilling at first, didn't really care too much. But once once he sees the season start slipping away, he's going to start giving a fuck and turning back up, which is what he's been doing recently. So, you know, Booker contributed with 30 and Chris Paul, you know, when Booker was gone, Chris Paul started scoring a lot. So I guess he just got scoring still in his mindset. And, you know, he came out with 28-2. And the whole starting lineup, the lowest person at 14. So, they just had, a, they just had great uh, contribution from their offense, from, the, from their starting lineup. So, you know. Hey, man. The Bucks lost this game for one reason. And one reason only. Podcast show hero. Legend of the podcast. DJ Augustine, 18 minutes, two for nine, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, no turnovers. Damn, so so neither of these niggas can pass either. Minus 16. Thanks, DJ. The gift that keeps on giving, man, DJ Augustine. What else? What else can I say? Went out there, he had two threes early. I was like, oh, shit, DJ coming to play today. In the second half, he just kept shooting the ball. Why he shot five, not threes, I don't know. I yeah, have one no thing, idea why he did that. But one he, thing, he did it. 
One thing we see from uh, DJ. You can't blame Brett Forbes for this one. So what do you what, what what's up? What's up? No, no, no. What I was gonna say DJ was, Augustine. No, what I was gonna say is when he's more effective. Normally, when he has a higher plus minus, you see his assist rates are normally higher. So like Zero? he keeps shooting. <laughs> I um, hope so. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, but if he's gonna keep shooting the ball, then that's not really his role. So, if he if he's gonna try and be something he not, then you know it's not gonna work out for him. Hey man, that man DJ Augustine. Whew. Oh man, it's gonna be fun. All right, let's get into it. Player of the night, game of the night, coach of the night. Dick head of the day. Darnell, what are your answers? All right. For player of the night, I'm going to go with Zach Levine with 46 points, seven rebounds, four assists, nine three-pointers. For my game of the day, I'm going to go with OKC in the Lakers just because it went in overtime. My coach of the night, I'm going to go with Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies because they put up 130 points when I didn't think they could. My is, do I have one left? Dickhead of the day? Yeah. Dickhead of the day. Dickhead of the day goes to, it goes to J.B. Bickerstaff and the Cavs for that performance and losing by 40. <laughs> losing by 40 on the road, not having having Colin Sexton score one of nine, having Andre Drummond score two of seven, both combined for eight points. You tell them niggas to miss. <laughs> he really didn't, but somebody's got to win the award, and I have nobody else, but I'm giving it to him. I'm going to give this to J.B. Bickers, staff the Cavs. Dom, what are your answers? My game of the day is Atlanta and Dallas. My player of the day, I want to give it to the two. I know you gave it to Zach, but I want to give it to both of them because they both went out there and did the same thing. So I'm, so it's going to be a, a co a co award for Zach and uh, Kobe, and then um, what's it called? Um, player, I'm also give it to Taylor Jenkins. Because these dudes keep missing people and keep not mattering. So <laughs> clearly he's doing something right in the rotation. And dickhead of the day goes to Solomon Hill. Cause there was one stretch where I watched where I watched him in the end of the second quarter, what at the end of one of the quarters, right? The 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 Mavs were the Mavs were in the bonus. He was guarding Luca. And every single time he he had the ball. He kept reaching and reaching and re- And for some reason, the refs weren't calling it at all. But he really did keep reaching and reaching and reaching and reaching and reaching, and reaching and reaching. And reaching. And I was like, "Hey, man, if he was gonna give us the game like this, he was trying his hardest to, to give us the game." <laughs> so I mean, I want want to thank Solomon Hill for being stupid. <laughs> and there you go. He's my dickhead of the day. My game of the day, um, Suns Bucks. Great game out of Giannis, man. Would have won player of the day if he could have pulled it off, but couldn't, unfortunately. Uh, my player of the day, Zach Levine, went crazy. 46, just a nutty performance from him. Front running performance, but that's what he does. Uh, coach of the day, man, I'm giving it to Billy Donovan, man. He does say he doesn't listen to the noise, man. He goes out there, just does his job. And today, they, they finally listened to my guy, Billy, you know, got the win. Um, yeah. Go out there and win, guys. <laughs> Go out there and shoot some threes, baby. Um, here, make some shots, guys. I'm oh, proud of you. <laughs> hey, they did it. They did make the shots. Great coaching, bro. He was great coaching. How are you going <laughs> to give it to Taylor Jenkins for telling his dude to do the same thing? And then laughing at Donovan. Because, because Taylor Jenkins don't have – his team is – everybody on his team is hurt. Everyone on his team is better than Kobe White. I don't know about that. I do. I haven't seen anybody on that team go dirty. 
They don't have to because they're all better. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I disagree with that one. Buddy. And he didn't have Laurie Market and he didn't have Wendell Carter giving it really not really. About that. And my dickhead of the day, man, he cost my dude, cost my guy yawn a big win. DJ Augustine went out there minus 16, doing what he does, ruining everything. I didn't see it, but I'm absolutely sure he had something to do with the reason that Phoenix had 39 in the third quarter. And they just came from behind. This man. This man said, I didn't even see what he did wrong, but you know. But I know, what? but I'm looking at. He did something bro, wrong. I can't, I can't look at the numbers. I can't look at the minus 16, know the, and the nine shots that he shot up. I don't know what he did wrong, but damn it, he did something wrong. That's just what the numbers Blame say. It. Hey, look, that's just what the numbers say, man. I want to give a. I want to give an honorable mention to Trey Young for falling and, and pretending like he got fouled and getting mad and calling the ref a bitch ass nigga when he didn't get when he ran into somebody's shoulder himself. So Trey Young definitely deserves an honorable mention for that. That's pretty mad. You're really late on the ground. The game was live. Damn it, for Trey. The, for the whole. He didn't. He didn't even. He didn't even like go down and then get back up. He really laid down he until, until laid. the game ended. I'm just watching. Like, why is Trey on the ground? My man took a nap at the end of the game. He was tired. Oh my god! I might have to change my answer. So he definitely deserves an honorable mention. <laughs> Damn it, Trey! They just ruined the whole thing. I knew he wasn't making it, but he could at least got the ball. He could have at least. Done. He could have stood up. He could have stood the fuck up. <laughs> I'm oh, not even call that, that man a bitch ass nigga for not giving him his flop. Man, ruin my three game lead. Damn it, Trey. Anyway, <laughs> tonight, tonight gonna be interesting. Um, couple of good games: Heat, Rockets, Raptors, Celtics, and. Sixers, Blazers. Oh man, not the not the Raptors and the not the Raptors and the Celtics. Yup, get to we get to see we get to see a shining hero <laughs> again. I'm happy. Oh man, he's gonna come right out there one for one for eighteen. Can't wait to see it. Oh, you're sleeping on Kemba. I see what this is. this is just Kemba sleep hate. sleeping on him. I'm watching. I'm watching right there. I'm fully awake. I'm watching him go two for 12 every night. <laughs> My man's had a good game, and he went out there and said, no, it was Kawhi's fault. No, bro, Kemba had his first good game of the season. It was Kawhi's fault. Kemba had one good game this whole season. That is, he was the reason they won that game. <laughs> he's the only re- He's the only way they'll win or lose. Hey, man, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, for Darnell and Dom, this was Demetrius, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed, and until next time. Triple D's deuces.